Thank you, Nick, for reading our scripture. Nick did a great job a couple of weeks ago when he spoke and does a good job when he reads scripture. And I said something to him this morning about preaching tonight. And he decided to pass this evening, but I feel confident he'll be ready to go again very soon. Last week in our study, we talked about how young people can be a great asset to the church. And I really struggled with how to title this lesson because I'm not sure how those of us who are getting older in life want to be identified. For some, it's a senior. For others, it's an old person. And yet, I got to thinking about maybe the most politically correct way to say it would be to simply identify those who are growing older as mature. And so we're just more mature in life, aren't we? All three. I was thinking about how would you define old age? If somebody were to ask you, in your mind, what does it mean to be old? What would you say? How would you answer that? I'm not sure how I would answer it. I got to thinking about, you know, anybody 20 years older than me is old. When I was a young fella, if somebody were to say, I am 40, 41, 42, I would have said, you know what, you're old. But 40 to me is youth. You're young, at least from my vantage point. I feel like 40s is young. Somebody said 50 is the new 30. So if 50 is the new 30, 60 is the new 40, and you can add that from here on out. Somebody said you're only as old as you think. Some would say you're only as old as you feel. Well, sometimes we feel old, don't we? So what about the value of mature people to the church. As we grow older in life, as we become more mature, is it not the case that we can still be a great asset to the church? I think we can. I appreciated Brother Gaines a moment ago remembering our young folks in prayer. And this morning I was talking about all the things that I'm thankful for and all the people that I'm thankful for here. And I accidentally omitted our young folks. And I want them to know how much I appreciate them because they are a tremendous example to me. On Wednesday night, a lot of times when I sit in the back to my right and look over across the auditorium, I see a lot of young people here. And they are a great example to all of us and I appreciate them very, very much. And I think about what a great contribution they are making to the church here and the great contribution they will make as they grow older in life. So tonight, think with me for a moment or two about as we become more mature, how we can be an asset, a value to the church. I want to begin by first of all talking about as a mature person, we can be an example. There's a lot to be said about 
how we carry ourselves in life. You remember last week in our study, we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 12, where Paul encouraged Timothy to be an example. And Paul, even though he was growing older in life, as a matter of fact, in the book of Philippians, he refers to himself as an aged person. But Paul would write to the church at Corinth and say, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So you can be a great example. We can all be an example before others. So what about our example? I want to call attention to a couple of people that I think serve as a great example, at least in my mind. I want to first call attention to a man by the name of Caleb. Go back and look with me for just a moment at Joshua chapter 14. In Joshua chapter 14, we have a record of Caleb, and you remember Caleb had been sent out by Moses to survey or spy out the land, the land of Canaan, that land that was flowing with milk and honey. Joshua and Caleb came back and they gave a favorable report, didn't they? The other ten spies were discouraged by what they had seen. And so in light of what they saw, they were fearful that they could not go in and take the land. Not so with Joshua and Caleb. So in Joshua chapter 14, Caleb makes some statements that I believe ought to be of great encouragement to us as we grow older in life. Now, when Joshua was penned, Caleb, of course, here, is spoken of as being 85 years of age. 85 years of age. Let me just pause here and ask this question. Where did we ever come up with the idea that when we turn 62, 65, 67, that we have to retire? You know, a lot of folks, when they grow older in life, what are they thinking about? Gearing down, aren't they? And the idea is that we'll retire and then we will have the opportunity to do what we want to do in life. I don't think there's anything wrong with slowing down. And if you want to retire, by all means, retire. But I would encourage you, retire from your secular job, but not your spiritual job. Don't retire from spiritual life. I remember years ago, a friend of mine who was up in years, I remember a conversation that he had with someone, and as they were talking about retirement, he said, look, when you retire, that gives you greater opportunities to serve the Lord. So here is Caleb, he's 85 years of age, and when a lot of folks are thinking about gearing down in life. He's thinking about gearing up. And so, first I want you to notice his commitment. Three times in chapter 14, Caleb makes a statement, I wholly followed the Lord my God. In verse 8, that statement is made. I have wholly followed the Lord. Verse 9, again, wholly following the Lord my God. Down in verse 14, he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. As we grow older in life, as we become more mature in life, hopefully and prayerfully, one of the things that people can see in us is a level of commitment. And that is, God is the focal point of our lives. As Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. As you grow older in life, as you become more mature in life, 
I want to challenge you to think about the example that you're setting before others and think about your commitment level. Because you can serve as a great example to young people and to young families. So first I think about his commitment level and then his conquest. Look at verse 11. In verse 11, Caleb said, I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. He said, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. I have no idea what the future holds for me in terms of longevity, but it would be my prayer that I can wear out rather than rust out, if you know what I mean. I don't want to gear down in life. I hope and pray that I can be used in some capacity as I grow older in life. I'm grateful for every opportunity that I have to serve, to work, to preach, to teach, to do whatever. And I hope and pray that I can have many more years. But here is Caleb and he talks about his strength. And you know, sometimes as we grow older, our physical strength diminishes, doesn't it? Ecclesiastes chapter 12 talks about how as a result of the aging process, we don't possess the strength that we did in our youth. But even though, as Paul said, the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And so, yes, we might be growing older physically, but spiritually speaking, we can be strong and robust, as strong as we've ever been. And so here's what he said. Verse 12, now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Caleb wanted his inheritance, didn't he? And you think about as you grow older and more mature in life, I would encourage you to identify goals. Be a goal-oriented person. Identify some things that you can do that are within your reach and do them. There are so many things that all of us can do, whether young or old. And sometimes I think as we grow older, rather than seeing what we can do and thinking about what we can do, we think about our limitations, don't we? So I want to encourage you to be a Caleb, to be strong, and to recognize that, look, you're not finished yet. A lot you can do, and hopefully and prayerfully a lot you will do. The second person that comes to mind would be, the, would be the Apostle Paul. I spoke a moment ago about Paul's letter to Philemon where he speaks of himself as an aged person. Paul may have been in his 60s at that point in time in life. Personally, I don't think somebody in their 60s is old. I don't think you're old in your 70s. I don't think you're old in your 80s. If you don't think you're old, you're not old, are you? It's all a matter of how you think. What they say, it's mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. So, you know, just think about it. Paul, look at the life of the Apostle Paul. If somebody were to ask you to characterize his life, what would you say? 
What are some things that stand out in your mind about the life of Paul? Paul was a great missionary, a great teacher, a servant of God. He did so many things, but I think about first and foremost his faith. Paul was a man of great faith, wasn't he? Faith can serve you well in life. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you look at the life of the apostle Paul and there was this absolute sense of what I would call conviction. Do you remember when he wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1? And he said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul was a man of tremendous faith. And so when I look at Paul and I think about as he grows older and more mature in life, I see somebody who rather than having a faith that wavers, somebody who is more and more convicted. Do you remember when he wrote to the church at Corinth? And he said, for we know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be, dis be destroyed or be dissolved, we have a house not made with hands. That is, if this physical body gives way to death, he can say, you know what, God will take care of me. So he was a man of immense faith. And then what about fortitude? Do you see somebody who was a fighter? Caleb talked about how he was a man of war even at 85 years of age. As a Christian, we're at war, aren't we? What was it Paul said? Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on life eternal. He would write to Timothy and say, War a good warfare. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Think about all the adversities and trials and difficulties that Paul faced in life. What stands out in your mind? Perseverance. Fortitude. That can't be defeated attitude. When he wrote to the church at Philippi, Paul was in prison. The time is about A.D. 61, 62. Paul is writing to the saints... And really, he writes them to encourage them. And so in Philippians chapter 4, Paul could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In verse 19, he could say, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Paul was a guy that, as we would say, hung in there day in and day out. Wouldn't be beat, wouldn't be kept down, and that's the way we need to be. Because as we grow more mature in life, chances are we're not going to be as strong and youthful as we once were. There are going to be some dings in the armor. And so we have to persevere. So Paul was a man of great faith, a man of fortitude. And a man of faithfulness. When Paul wrote his second letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul recognized that the end for him had come. He said, I'm already being offered. The time of my departure is at hand. And Paul could talk about his faithfulness to God. 
I would hope that as we grow older in life, that we never waver in our faith or in our faithfulness to God. But rather, we're faithful day in and day out. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. And he said, henceforth there's later for me the crown of righteousness. Paul was faithful in spite of trials and tribulations and temptations. As we would say, in spite of difficulties. But you see, James had said many years earlier, Blessed is a man that endures temptation or trials. For when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So I would offer for you a couple of examples. And as you think about your example, hopefully and prayerfully, when people look at you, they see a Caleb, a Paul, somebody who is steadfast in the faith. So first, as we grow more mature, we can be an example. Secondly, as we mature, we can be an educator, can't we? A couple of things here. First, well, let me just back up. When I think about being an educator, two things come to mind. There are two kinds of people, and really, both of these could really, I guess we would say, sum up the life of a lot of folks. There is book smart and street smart. There are some people that are book smart but not street smart. There are some people that are street smart but not book smart. And then there are others who are both, aren't they? So I want to talk first about being book smart. And I want to call attention to the book of Psalms. Look at Psalm 71. In Psalm 71, think for, a minute, think for a minute or two about how as a Christian, as a mature Christian, you have been instructed. Somebody, somewhere, sometime took the time to teach you, to lay a foundation, didn't they? And so from that vantage point, you're book smart. So in Psalm 71, listen to what the psalmist said in verse 17. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day I declare your wondrous works. It's a great thing to grow up in a Christian home. A lot of us have been blessed richly because we had Christian parents, Christian grandparents that took the time to lay a foundation in our life. The psalmist here talks about how he has been taught from youth. But listen now to what he says in verse 18 because what comes to my mind is just as we have been instructed we have the ability, we have the opportunity to instruct others, don't we? So listen to what he says in verse 18. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, he said, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength 
to this generation. When I talked about Christian examples, I mentioned Caleb and Paul. And I saved really what might be the best for last in some ways. Because I think about the godly training that Timothy received from his grandmother and his mother. The old saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Think about how many godly mothers and grandmothers have laid a foundation in the lives of a lot of young folks. And they have had the opportunity to shape and to mold and to bend the minds of those children in the right direction. Let me just call attention to 2 Timothy chapter 1 for a minute. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, I want you to see something from the hand of Paul. Paul, in writing to Timothy, and Timothy, as you well know, was his own son in the faith. And so in verse 3, he said, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. As my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Now look at verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. All right, he's writing to Timothy, isn't he? And he's saying, look, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that dwells in you, brings a sense of gratitude to my heart. And then he said, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And then he said, and I am persuaded is in you also. Three generations of people. A grandmother, a mother, and a child. Now turn over to chapter 3, verse 15. In chapter 3, verse 15, Paul again emphasizing the training, the teaching, the nurturing Timothy received in the home. In verse 14 he said, But as for you, continue in the things which you have learned, been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood, from infancy. He said, You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It was not accidental that Timothy knew what the Bible had to say. It wasn't accidental that he was a young man of faith, was it? But rather he had a godly mother and grandmother that spent time, precious time, and energy teaching, training, molding, making him into what would ultimately become a great servant of God. And so, you've been taught, teach others. I think one of the things that maybe we've lost in the church is the importance of mentoring to young folks. Look, for example, at Titus, over in Titus chapter 2. And you think about the things, the knowledge that you possess that you can pass off or pass on to other people to young people particularly. In Titus 2, verse 1, he said, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. 
He said that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. So you think about their example, how they carry themselves in public and privately as well. But now look if you would, verse 4, that they admonish the young women. So here you have aged women, mature women, teaching younger women, okay? So as a mature, as a mature lady in Christ, are there things that you can share with young mothers, young wives? Are there some things that you can tell them that will aid them in their home life? Yes, there is. Listen to what he says. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. You talk about a tremendous opportunity before you as a mature person. You have the ability and the opportunity to share your wisdom with young people, don't you? There are a lot of things that young families sometimes struggle with. You've been there. You understand where they are. And you can encourage. Let me just shift gears here. We talk about book smart. But what about being street smart? What about, what about experience? That's one thing to be educated in the word. But what about Experience Doesn't that count for something? Aren't there things that you can share with young families, with young people? You've been there. You've done that. You've seen the good, the bad, the highs, the lows, the joys, the frustrations of life. Are there not anxieties and fears in the lives of folks, particularly young people? And can't you quell those fears to some extent? So you can be a mentor. I think about the opportunity that you have, that I have, that we have to encourage. Well, sometimes you just need somebody behind you encouraging, saying, you know what, you can make it. Barnabas, remember him? Acts chapter 11. He went to Antioch and the Bible says that he encouraged those people that with purpose of heart they might continue or cleave to the Lord. Sometimes you just need a little encouragement, don't you? As a young mother, a young father, it can be discouraging in the child-rearing process. A lot of joy there can be some disappointments, heartaches. Sometimes you question if what you're doing is the right thing. 
It's always good to have somebody by your side encouraging. Stay the course. Hang in there. Do your job. Think about as an older person, as a more mature person, some of the anxieties, the worries that you had in your younger years. You're still here, aren't you? How many times do we worry about the future and worry about this and that in spite of the fact that Jesus said we're not to worry in Matthew chapter 6? In spite of the fact that Paul said in nothing be anxious. But we worry, don't we? And so, can't you encourage somebody who is filled with worry and anxiety, who might be distraught over some circumstance in life, can't you encourage them to say, you know what, just hang on. Pray about it. Let's sit down and talk about it. Can't you do that? So you think about encouraging, and then what about evaluating? As an older person, sometimes you have the ability to sit down and evaluate the situation. Sometimes you can bring clarity to a clouded situation, can't you? In the book of Proverbs, Solomon talks a lot about wise counsel. When I was younger, I used to go to my father-in-law a lot and ask him. I would ask him, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? If I were going to buy something really expensive, I wanted his input. And so, those of us who are younger, we can seek the wise counsel of more mature Christians, can't we? Sure we can. As a mature person, Think of some of the things that you've learned in life. You're street smart. You've been there. You've done a lot of things. Some of you have been, some of you have been taken advantage of. And you can tell people, look, you need to be careful. In your youth, sometimes maybe you made hasty decisions. And you can say, you know what, we need to just back up, take a deep breath, calm down, and let's evaluate where we are, and then make a decision. And then what about empathizing? Can't you empathize with others? Some of the hurts and frustrations that you have faced in life, can't you identify with other people that have that are facing similar struggles in life? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 just very quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 3, Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now listen to him. Who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble, with the comfort 
with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now think about some of the people that were living in the first century when Paul was alive. And let's just say those people were facing persecution. And they were being ostracized for their faith in God. Hounded day and night. Maybe they were taking it day in and day out. Don't you know it'd be encouraging to sit down with a Paul and Paul say, I've been there. I know your hurts. I know what it feels like to be forsaken. But I know this, the Lord's never left my side. The Lord has seen me through tough times. As the Hebrew writer said, I will never leave you nor forsake, forsake you. So I want to close by saying as we grow older in life, there are a lot of positives. Because number one, we can be an example to others. And number two, we can educate others. Educate them by what we know, by being book smart. Educate people by what we know from being street smart. I would hope and pray that all of us, as we grow older in life, look for opportunities of service. You'd be amazed at how many opportunities there are. Sometimes all you got to do is look. And so I would encourage you, seek out those opportunities and do your best to live faithfully for God. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for your love and care for us. We're grateful for our young people. We're grateful for our mature Christians. We're thankful for the opportunity to be a servant in your kingdom. Whatever our age may be, help us to have the attitude of Isaiah who said, Here am I, send me, use me. And Father, we pray that you would Give us the strength and wisdom that we need to be a light in this world and to share what we have with other people, whether young or old. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ, believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. If you would do what they did on Pentecost Day, repent, be baptized into Christ, the Bible tells us you'll enjoy forgiveness, Acts 2.38. God will then add you to the church, Acts 2.47, and if you're faithful till death, the promise is the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you're here tonight and you're not what you ought to be and you need the prayers of the church, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you, realizing that God will abundantly pardon, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Won't you come as we stand and sing? <laughs>